Hey, dear saints, you're listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword. Sermons from Pastor Kilgo, preached at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We pray that as you hear God's word, you would be strengthened in faith and love and rejoice in the joy of the Lord's promises and kindness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, this evening we have this wonderful reality that is presented to us uh, in the gospel text, this reality that exists uh, throughout not just the, the New Testament, but the entirety of the scriptures, and that is this reality that Jesus and death do not get along. In fact, it is really quite wonderful that every time Jesus encounters death, death is undone. So we have, for example, in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus goes and he uh, goes to uh, Jairus's house, this ruler of the synagogue, and his daughter has died, and they're in the middle of this funeral. She's been dead for a few days at this point. If you don't know, Jewish funerals last for about seven days. That's why they're still weeping and the, the playing of the, the dirges and whatnot going on when Jesus arrives. And he comes into the household and he says, why all the commotion? Why are you weeping and making all of this mourning? She's not dead. She's sleeping. Because Jesus understands something about death that we don't here. And so he goes into the room and he speaks to her these beautiful words, Talitha kumi, little girl, I say to you, arise. And at his word, it's done. Death is undone. The little girl gets up. Jesus and death contend with each other, and Jesus wins. Later on, John 10, uh, John 11, we have Jesus going to the tomb of Lazarus. Jesus is journeying towards uh, the house of uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and he gets a report that Lazarus, who's been sick, has died, and he says to his disciples, Our brother Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. And the disciples are understandably confused. Say, well, if he's just sleeping, then we don't need to go. There's no rush. It's taking a nap. So Jesus clarifies, Lazarus is dead, but I go to raise him up. And for your sake, I'm glad that we were not there, so the glory of God would be manifest. And so they get uh, to Lazarus, and the funeral is passed, He's in the tomb. The stone has been rolled in front. And so he tells them to uncover the, uncover the tomb. And he calls out to Lazarus. He speaks, Lazarus, come out. And at his speaking, it's done. At his speaking, death is undone. Lazarus comes out of the tomb, bandages and all. Jesus contends with death. And Jesus wins. And here as well, you've got two processions going on. There's one gate in this town, as most towns have. There's one gate that you would come in and out of. And so there is this procession, this funeral procession, that's going out of the town and to the cemetery in order to bury this son. And 
This crowd is probably well-versed because it's the crowd that's following along with this woman who's already had her husband die. She's a widow, and this is her only son. They've been through this before. And we know what the proper etiquette is for a funeral procession. You move to the side, you take off your hat, you bow your head, you act in reverence towards what's happening here in honor of the deceased and the bereaved. Jesus does something a little bit different. He's part of another procession that's coming into the town. His disciples are with him, and a great crowd following him. And he stops the funeral procession. And he puts his hand on the bier, on the casket. And he tells the woman, don't cry. And he says, young man, arise. And we should make no mistake here, this is the word for the resurrection. And the dead man gets up and he starts speaking. At Jesus' word, it's done. At Jesus' word, death is undone. Jesus contends with death and Jesus wins. Because as it turns out, Jesus doesn't like death. He doesn't much care for it. It's not what he created this world for. It's not what he created us for. That Jesus understands something that we would do well to maybe recover, that is that death is evil. That death is not good. Jesus cries at the tomb of Lazarus, knowing what he is about to do, that is to bring Lazarus out. But he cries nonetheless, because death is evil. And we should remember that. There, there is this idea that has crept even into the church that death is just a part of life. And that's not true. Death is the ending of life. And it's bad. It is the product of the fall. When God gives the command to Adam and Eve to eat and to not eat, he says you may eat of any tree in the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat from. For on the day in which you eat of it, dying you will die. God holds true to that promise, like he does all of his promises. That on the day in which Adam and Eve eat from this fruit, dying spiritually, they will die physically. Death does not exist until the fall. And as St. Paul reminds us, the wages of sin is death. The thing that our sin buys us is death. The reason why we die is because we sin. If we could somehow keep ourselves from sinning, we would never die. But we can't. There's kind of a nice thing that uh, with the widow Nain's son that we're not told any details about the actual death, either of the son or of the husband. Because it doesn't lead us to any sort of false conclusions about why they died. We simply have to go to the root. They died because they were sinners. Same reason everybody dies. 
They died because of their sin, not any one particular sin, but because they transgressed the law of God, and the wages of that sin was their death. And that is precisely what Jesus is here to fix. Now, we should remember that even though Jesus raises Jairus' daughter, and he raises Lazarus, and he raises the widow named son, it's not permanent. Jairus' daughter will die again and have another funeral. Lazarus will have the bandages placed back upon him. This widow's son is going to go back into the coffin at some point. We don't know when, but we know that they're not still wandering around the earth. Because something more important, something bigger, has to happen. The, un- the undoing of the cause of death. In order to actually be freed from death, something has to happen. Something that is, in fact, more powerful than Jesus simply speaking. As powerful of a thing as that is. Jesus has to go into death himself. It's why he takes on our flesh and blood. We we need to never lose sight of that. The reason why Jesus takes on our flesh and our blood is so that he can take on our sin and nail that sin to the cross in his body and bury it in a grave. Jesus is incarnate specifically so that he can die. But like in all the other cases, Jesus and death do not get along. When Jesus contends with death, Jesus wins. This is marvelous Easter hymn uh, that has this line, It was a strange and dreadful strife when life and death contended. The victory remained with life. The reign of death is ended. Holy Scripture plainly saith that death is swallowed up by death. Its sting is lost forever, alleluia. And that's Jesus. Jesus is the life contending with death. Jesus' death is the thing that defeats death. Jesus contends with death, and Jesus wins. Always. There's this joke that sometimes goes around, you know, someone who's like perpetually late, this person's going to be late to their own funeral. Right? Something similar is going on with Jesus. These funerals last for like seven days. Jesus doesn't stay for his entire funeral, though. He's there for about three days, and he says, that's about enough of that. And he leaves. He's raised. He gets out. And death's defeated. Death's undone. Now, this doesn't mean that we won't at some point taste death ourselves. The only thing that would prevent that is Jesus showing up before we die. But because Jesus has died and been raised, death, which is evil and is an enemy and is not good and not what we are created for, is also defeated and undone. So that our deaths are spoken of in the same way as Lazarus and Jairus' daughter. Sleep. 
so that we can have this exhortation by Jesus to not cry, at least at our own death. We can certainly weep for those who have died, but not for ourselves, because we're just going to sleep for a bit until Jesus wakes us back up. And if you notice in our hymnody, a lot of our hymnody will do this. It will talk about our death as this non-permanent sort of thing. Uh, we sang this, I, I think it was last week or maybe the week before, um, Lord, thee I love with all my heart. And the last stanza talks about this. Lord, let at last thine angels come to Abram's bosom, bear me home, that I may die unfearing, and in its narrow chamber keep my body safe in peaceful sleep until thy reappearing. And then from death, awaken me, that these mine eyes with joy may see, O Son of God, thy glorious face, my Savior and my fount of grace. And we sing that because that's our promise. That Jesus is going to do for us what he has done for all these other people. That he's going to show up on the last day and he's going to call us out of our graves. And at his word, it will be done. At his speaking, we will come out and death will be undone. Jesus will contend with all of our deaths on the last day. And Jesus, like he always does, will win. But now, not for a moment until we go back into the grave later, but forever. Because then, death is finally defeated. All enemies, including death, are finally placed under the feet of our Lord Jesus. So that we can dwell with him forever. So that we can come now to death boldly and confidently and without any sort of fear or timidness because we know what awaits us, eternity. Eternity with Jesus and eternity with all the saints who have come before us and will come after. And that's why we'll sing stuff like this. We didn't sing this today, but it is quite wonderful. Laugh to scorn the gloomy grave, and at death no longer tremble. He, the Lord, who came to save, will at last his own assemble. He, they will go, you, dear saints, will go, the Lord to meet, treading death beneath your feet. That's our promise. That's the reality. And that's our hope until Jesus returns, because Jesus has contended with death. Jesus, like he always does, wins. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword. Sermons by Pastor Kilgo at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We'd like to invite you to join us for church, Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have Bible study at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings and at other times throughout the week. Please visit our website at redeemer-lawrence.org for more information. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.